Hey, bookworms! Welcome to Librarians Telling Tales, where we introduce you to all the things we love about libraries. Books, people, and making connections. I'm Amy. I'm Blair. I'm Jennifer. In today's episode, we're going to talk about outdoor adventure books, from summer camps to vast expeditions into the unknown. All those fun things we like to do when we're not in school. Summertime is one of my favorite seasons. And in my family, we camped a lot. And we did the old school thing. We were not glampers. We put up tents. We slept on hard rocks. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of fishing. And I have wonderful memories of growing up and doing all that camping. And one of the things we did also is tell ghost stories Ooh. around the campfire. And so when I think of summertime and camping, I think of scary stories. As a kid, we would go to Silverton for the summers to Colorado. And Silverton is super tiny. You're up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. And it was a completely different world because you didn't have TV. Cell phones did not even work. Like we had radio wave stations. You could maybe, if you were lucky, tune into the Summer Olympics. Otherwise, we were just getting VHS tapes from the library and play outside and just hiking and jeeping and camping and all of those things. I used to really love camping until the summer of my 16th birthday when I decided that's what I wanted to do for my birthday. I wanted to take a couple of days off and go camping. And I was so excited because we were going to my favorite camp spot. There was nobody in it when we got there. We set up camp. Everything was great. And then it rained and it rained and my tent flooded. And I was like, awesome. Okay. So we broke the whole tent down, dried everything out, set everything back up in a slightly different location. It flooded the next night. (gasps) And then it flooded the next night. And I was so mad. I have never been camping since. Seriously? We moved my tent three times. And not only did it like sort of flood, it flooded so much that I woke up and my sleeping bag was soaking wet on top of me. I was drenched. It had wicked all the water up from the bottom of my tent and I was covered in it. Like... 10,000 feet elevation up in the mountains, freezing my tickets off. I have never been camping again. So it ruined camping for me. Thanks, water and and rain. (laughs) Maybe you just need to start back in small degrees, like take a walk in nature, maybe spend half a day up in the Prescott Forest. There's so many beautiful camp spots up there. Just little by little. No, now now I'm old and I don't want to sleep on the floor anymore. (laughs) I have a really nice air mattress you can borrow. (laughs) No, that's still sleeping on the floor. <laughs> no, when I was a kid, we didn't actually, we almost never went camping as a family. But every summer, my parents let me go for an entire month to my friend's lake house in Northern California. And so we rode jet skis all day, hung out, hiked, biked. We biked everywhere, ate tons of candy. And occasionally we would have a campfire, but I could never stay up late enough for like the sun to go down. I'd make my s'mores, I'd shovel my face with s'mores, and I'd go sleep in the garage or wherever we were sleeping for the time because they were slowly building their house. So it was roughing it, if you will. I think one year we were intense, but that was it. So one of the first books that came to mind for me, and it's a classic, it was written originally in 1973, was Lois Duncan's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh-huh. That book has been in circulation for almost 50 years. Wow. <laughs> and one thing I learned from Lois Duncan in reading about her is that she updates it every so often. And it's quite amazing because I reread it for this episode. For example, when one of the character's brothers was serving in the Vietnam War, she's updated it to the Iraq War just to keep it and interesting to the kids. But I love that story. And it's about four kids in high school, two seniors and two juniors. And one summer, there's a tragic event and they decide to make a pact to not tell what happens. But the following summer, one of those girls gets a letter that says, 
I know what you did last summer. And thus begins this paranoia of who knows what they did and are they going to be held accountable. And one of the things I read about from Lois Duncan is that when she went to go see the movie, she looked at the screen and thought she was in the wrong theater (laughs) because it was nothing like her book. It was quite scary. But that's the version the kids know. It's that summertime scare. But it's not quite the same as the book, although the same premise. You know, the way I remember that book is I went into the teen zone and I was just scanning each of the shelves looking for summer titles. And that one was nestled in the uh, D section, obviously, under Mm -hmm. Duncan. And I thought, I haven't seen this book in so long. And so I reread it. And at the end, there was the interview with Lois Duncan and Barry Liga. And he asked her about the updates. And he asked her about the violence in the movie, which she was appalled by because Lois Duncan actually had her daughter, was she was murdered. Oh, snap. Yeah. So interesting story. Anyway, campfires, scary stories, summertime. I thought that was a great book to lead off with. For YA, I found Paradise on Fire by Jewel Rhodes. It is about a girl named Addie who lives in the city. Unfortunately, her parents died in an apartment fire. She lives with her grandmother, and her grandmother is concerned that she's becoming just too withdrawn. She's got this, I suppose, healthy fear of fire Mm. at this point. So her grandmother signs her up to a roughing it camp experience in the wilderness. So she goes with five other inner city kids out into the middle of the wilderness to this really cool camp and they're learning all these survival skills they're embracing hiking and going on these crazy like five ten mile hikes every day and then partway through the summer a wildfire breaks out while they're in the middle of a hike like 10 miles away like her worst fear like her worst fear and so they have to try and survive and it's inspiring and really just a very interesting take on environmentalism, the state of drought that we have in the West, mm-hmm. the way that we kind of forget as a society sometimes when you're living in the city, what it's like to really be outdoors. We think, oh, we go to the city park, we're outdoors. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's still kind of like a manufactured outdoors. It's not the same as being in the wilderness where phones don't work and where you're in the middle of nowhere surrounded by nothing. And so it's a really an interesting take for teens who maybe aren't as outdoorsy to read a book like that and kind of see themselves surviving in those sort of situations. Is it super fast-paced and suspenseful through that second half? Yes. Does it wrap up nicely or is it like leading into another novel? It is standalone and... Is there anybody that dies? Why would I tell you? Mm, That might ruin it. My book tie-in, I guess, would be then Be Prepared, the graphic novel by Vera Brosgall. Although I wouldn't say that it's like tied to my actual summertime camping, but more twice when I was in school, we went on week-long camping trips in Virginia to this place called Hemlock. My mom went as our chaperone and she was like the most loved parent chaperone of all time. In fact, at the end of Hemlock Camp, they were asked what we loved most about camp and it was Mrs. Amy's mom was the answer. (laughs) But the idea of being in camp in cabins, having all the things that you're supposed to have with you is all that you have, like the socks that you brought are all the socks that you have. And the idea of helping each other do laundry and check latrines and things like that, like we didn't prank each other because we were in school. Like it was a serious thing with teachers and principals and stuff, but all of that like existed. We didn't have flushing toilets. So the humor of that story totally got me, the unknowing, the worry, but we didn't, we weren't learning Russian culture and we weren't having to, you know, attend services and things. It was a school trip, but that's a fun story. That's one of my favorites. And I was going to talk about it, but I knew that you were going to mm-hmm. uh, bring it up because it's such a Raina Tegelmeyer type book. Of, sure. And I just enjoy it so much. Very clever, funny, love the, the graphic mm-hmm. art in that book. 
So in a non-camp book, I do have another YA, which is uh, also a pretty new one. It's called Drawn This Way by Alyssa Sussman. And it takes place over the course of a summer internship at a animation art studio. So think like Pixar, right? And I think that's kind of the world that they're aiming for you to imagine and think about. And Haley gets one of these super coveted internships. They're bringing in like 50 kids for this new internship opportunity. Almost all of them who are picked are boys. There are only a handful of girls of which she is one. And then when they get assigned into teams to work on projects, the girls keep being given these like grunt, annoying jobs like be the secretary, go get things for us. You don't get to make artistic decisions. Mm. And it very much kind of is attempting to expose this boys club world that she is in. And then there's also the added aspect of the fact that one of the boys in the camp is the son of the director of the program. And so they think he's getting all of this special attention, but he's also got a crummy attitude. And then of course, he's super cute. (laughs) So there's a romancy angle. There's like a really cool kind of girl power feminist angle and then a lot of really interesting stuff about art animation all while being wrapped up in this summer internship program where you're away from home you know you're prepping for college but it's just really an interesting book it was done really well and you know romance is there but it's taking kind of like the back seat to all the other stuff where she's trying to get her artistic vision out and really express who she is as an artist why is it called drawn this way because they draw because it's animation Uh, in my mind it was like they were going to leap off the page like it was going to be a fantasy oh i I just thought there was going to be some aspect of like well you created this monster Mm -hmm. you know you you made this happen you drew this into existence but that's not it's because they're drawing their animations (laughs) that's that's why a graphic novel or a chapter book no it's a chapter book i thought it was going to be something more along the lines of emotional or lgbtq just because of the title there's a little bit of uh rep in there but our main character isn't our main character is it's an interesting title I agree. It's, yeah. it's, 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 for me, it's misleading in terms of what it's all about. Hmm. I have one more YA that's non-camping, but it is a summer and it's actually historical and it fits all of the bells and whistles that I love. It's uh, the summer of 1977 in New York City. It's hot. It's one of the hottest summers on record. They have blackouts, but it's also the summer of the serial killer, oh. Son of Sam. So it's the story of Nora Lopez and her family that's just struggling to make ends meet. The dad is absent. The mom doesn't speak English very well. They're trying to make the rent. And it's a very frightening thing to be walking around in New York City at this time because there's a lot of fear about the son of Sam, the serial killer who's just randomly shooting couples in cars, Mm -hmm. which is all true. So it's a wonderful book by Meg Medina. It's called Burn, Baby, Burn. It was written in 2016. So it's a little bit older, but it's a classic historical book, but it has that hot summer feel to it, that fear of not being safe to walk around the city. And I think Meg Medina does a fantastic job of hitting all the pop culture too. It made me think back to when I was a kid and loved going to the movie theater and mm-hmm. standing in long lines to get in to see the, the next exciting movie, which is a big part of this story. The very beginning, they're standing in line to watch Carrie. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. So that's the setting in 1977. So 
does she feel like she's being hunted by the son of Sam? Is she just living her life and try, you're following her sort of daily journey with this fear riding her as well? Like, what's the... It's her fear of what's happening in the city, but also her worry about not being able to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. And she also has a brother who cannot stay out of trouble and causes a lot of trouble. So it's realistic. It's very realistic. Mm-hmm. And there are some exciting moments in the book, some fearful moments where she's walking and they've been told there is a curfew. They need to be home because it is unsafe. And because I have this morbid interest in serial killers. <laughs> True crime <laughs> a lot of junkie. Us do. True crime junkie. I am. <laughs> the book was very appealing to me. And it just I just thought, what would it be like to have been a teenager at that time? Because she's almost 18, trying to go to college and thinking maybe college isn't in her future because she just needs to make ends meet. But being afraid to walk around mm-hmm. yeah. because there's these random shootings. So I thought that was a great yeah. summer book. Holding the family together and then just being of the age where you might be the target. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, buddy. Yeah, Any, that's, a, that's intense. That, mm-hmm. yeah. that does sound good, though, for sure. Mine is a camp story, my last YA, and there is a small romance, but they both take kind of a backseat to the underlying story, which is a girl who's not doing so well in her classes. She and her crush, her longtime best friend, they both take a DNA test for one of their classes right before the end of the school year, and he's adopted. And he's trying to find out what his family is, where they're from. We know he's, he's Filipino, but he's not sure like what his heritage, where his family comes from, all these things. And so he's looking at that aspect, and she's just like, well, I'll support you in this. I'll do it too. I'll do the DNA test. And then she actually has has a match. So the title is You Have a Match by Emma Lord. And she has an actual 100% DNA match. Her sibling is a product of her mother and her father who are still happily married. And then she has a younger sibling. So it's like, what happened in our lives that I have an older sister that is adopted and living somewhere else? And they live in the same kind of area. And so they end up at the same camp. Her sister works at the camp and she is going for remedial tutoring and things at this camp. Her crush is there too. He's getting cooking lessons and stuff. So it's like all these things playing together. But it's really fascinating what happens between those siblings and that's the primary story but it's over a summer and they build this relationship and I thought it was lovely I'm really impressed by Emma Lord's stuff lately it's sweet and soft but it's also like kind of hard-hitting topics too sometimes it's really such an interesting way that DNA tests are kind of changing a lot of those stories. I mean, I think we have had those like secret sibling stories before, but DNA testing is making such different grounds on how they're written and then that sounds like an interesting one to read. It's sweet. And I I like knowing that Emma Lord is a go-to author for sweet stories for our teen patrons who just want something simple and Mm -hmm. not too heavy. So it's nice to have a new author on board. It is a a serious topic, but it's handled, I would say, with more fluff than, you know, deep, dark, hard-hitting. You know me. I like the dark stuff. I know you do. (laughs) I love it. So here's a story for you all about a year and a half ago, my husband and I decided to do an anniversary trip to Lost Dutchman State Park and learn a little bit more about Arizona since we're not native to Arizona. And so we realized that Lost Dutchman State Park is by the Superstition Mountains in a place called Apache Junction, Mm -hmm. which I'd never heard of. (laughs) So we were there enjoying our camping experience and I went to a souvenir shop and there was a book there called Missing on Superstition Mountain by Elise Broach. I recognized the author, loved the cover of the book and thought this is about this place where I'm at right now. So I bought the book and started reading it while I was actually camping. It's about three brothers who are from Chicago, but their dad takes a job and moves them to Arizona, which is Apache Junction, but they call it superstition. And they live right up against the mountain. 
and they're told they are not to go up to that mountain. There's a lot of stories about people getting lost and dying up on that mountain. They're so interested and so tempted, and one day their cat goes missing. Uh-oh. And they decide to go and check up the mountain, because mm. they live right close to the mountain, and they find a skeleton. Ooh. So the story evolves into a mystery, and it's so well done. It's the first of a trilogy, and I really enjoyed it, knowing that I was actually at the Superstition Mountains, and it's a piece of Arizona history. And I used it in a book club a couple of summers ago, and the kids really enjoyed it. So I highly recommend that book. While you were camping there and reading this sort of maybe scary sounding story, did you get any strange dreams? No. No? Okay. It's actually more of a a humorous story. Those three brothers are funny boys, and their mom tells them not to go up to that mountain. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful illustration where they're sitting on their back porch, and they're just looking up at that big mountain. (laughs) And you just know that they're thinking, wow. That's a cool mountain. Let's climb it. We really need to climb it. <laughs> and it just so happens their cat goes missing. But it's not a scary story. It's more of a mystery. But also for me, it's just local history, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a great book. And Elise Broach does a phenomenal job researching the area and the mountain. So you're saying you didn't start seeing all of the different sticks and undergrowth as potentially being human bones? No, but I <laughs> no, but I learned a lot about that part of Arizona, and I, I always love learning new things. So I was really excited to have a little more Arizona knowledge in my back awesome. pocket. Yeah, I really like "Connect the Stars" by Melissa De Los Santos, and these kids are again sent to a wilderness camp, but in this case, it's in the desert, and they are going on this extended hike on this designated loop around this part of the desert with their guide. And a lot of the kids have a super different background, but these particular kids are nerdier. Audrey has this trick where she kind of reads faces really, really well, and she can tell when people are lying, and she has this skill really being able to suss out other people's feelings and emotions. And then Aaron has an eidactic memory, so he remembers everything all the time that everyone ever says. And then they are out there with these kids who some of them have been kind of sent punishment style. Mm -hmm. Some of them have chosen to go out on this crazy backpacking trip. But when they get out there, then of course, things start to fall awry. And their counselor who's out there with them gets injured. There's one girl who's sure that her father is coming to rescue her from the middle of this camp, but she has to go hike this crazy distance away in the wrong direction to try and meet up with him. Then the kids get separated. There's like infighting. And it really, I think, handles the emotions of these kids really well. You've got seventh, eighth graders, all of those like pubescent feelings that are coming up and all these massive changes in their lives. And it's a really awesome, realistic look at kids at this age in a really crazy situation where they're having to, again, do some survival in the desert. I think Mm -hmm. you like those survival books. I do. If I have to read (laughs) non-fantasy. One of mine is sort of like that, I guess. It's uh, Lions and Liars by Kate Beasley. And it's a story about a boy who's bullied and he's challenged to climb aboard a rowboat and he gets sucked downstream of a river and separated from his family and these kids that were his friends slash not his friends. And he ends up at a summer camp for bad boys. It's like camp oh my goshy. (laughs) 
and probably it's like omigashi or something but in my mind it's omigashi and the slogan is where boys are transformed and he arrives on day one right as they're serving breakfast and he takes on this identity of the worst boy dash so nobody knows his real name is frederick and then he's a really sweet timid boy actually but he's impersonating this kid that's like the worst bully of all bullies who's gone to this camp omigashi to be reformed and he's pretending and he kind of slips up every now and again and stuff they get word that there's a category five hurricane coming their way and right as they're evacuating they notice that one of the boys has left and he goes off to see if he can find him and then of course they get stuck and the zoo has emptied out so there's a lion hence lions and liars it's a lot of fun i wouldn't say it's like so redeeming of him because he he does lie half the story you know but the camp piece of it the friends that are maybe not as bad as they thought that they were and then when dash does make an appearance you're like whoa (laughs) yeah frederick he is not dash and in fact one of the boys the whole time knew he wasn't because he had gone to second grade with dash so he kept the secret and they end up as friends at the end not to ruin the whole story guys but but he's missing from his parents yeah they're not people looking for him you know they're way out in the middle of nowhere so yes that is a part of it like where they or is he not even worried that his parents think he's dead that's that part of juvenile fiction right that like parents are not a part of the story sometimes they are minorly in the story worried about him and like i think they turn wrong way down the road heading toward where the camp is but he's not worried about them he's worried about keeping up this ploy that he's the bad boy (laughs) until the last day of camp i have no idea yeah how he would have got home otherwise if not for this category five hurricane and such that breaks my brain they're like it's i disappeared down a stream and i for away from my parents and i'm gone for weeks and nobody knows or cares (laughs) you would have noticed it it feels like a lot of the books we shared are very serious you know serious topics even though it's camping in summer but i was just thinking boy all the books at least for my part that i brought to the table are pretty serious or scary Mm -hmm. but the picture books are pretty funny i don't know if you find that for yourselves I like what you said, too, about the beginning, uh, you know, when you shared your, your camp story, like, I think it is about the ghost story they tend to turn that direction, whether it's the prank war that goes wrong, or there is something lurking in the woods or a fire or something like that happens. But yeah, definitely the picture books were a lot sweeter and sillier. Yeah, I mean, I did have as a backup to talk about stand up Yumi Chung by Jessica Kim, where she feels like she's overwhelmed being forced to go to this crazy intensive summer study program. And instead, she finds out about this stand up comedy program that happens to be on the same days so she gets her mom to drop her off at the one and she sneaks into the other Mm. and assumes somebody else's identity who doesn't show up so i was gonna briefly mention that one too that one's funny that one's hilarious i love that book for middle grade it's super cute well, Be Prepared is funny, but it does have some underlying heavier topics mm-hmm. about acceptance. Acceptance, a little bit of anxiety, mm-hmm. not fitting in and the cultural pieces because yeah. she doesn't know how to read Russian. <laughs> <laughs> so where I feel like it's more lighthearted in camping is the picture book. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the picture books that I found are more fun and just outdoorsy and silly. For example, PJ Funny Bunny goes camping. Oh my gosh. I love PJ Funny Bunny by Marilyn Sandler. He is a beginning reader book, but PJ Funny Bunny goes camping and all the wacky adventures that he has while he's out in the woods. So what were some of the other picture books? I won't say mine are particularly funny. I loved Over and Under the Canyon, the new Over and Under book by Kate Messner. A mother and a son are hiking in the Grand Canyon and you're kind of exploring the whole ecosystem and geology of the Grand Canyon. The illustrations are phenomenal. The illustrated characters are diverse. It's a really beautiful picture book. And I think it's a really good addition to her Over and Under series. 
I read The Hike by Pete Oswald not long ago. I think we got it maybe three or four years ago and one of our coworkers was super excited for it. And it's a lovely, almost wordless picture book about a father and son who go out for a morning hike and climb. And that's really sweet. One of the funny ones that I picked, though, was The Camping Spree with Mr. McGee, by <laughs> my favorite, Chris Van Dusen. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. He and his dog go out camping in their new little travel trailer thing. And they make their s'mores. And the smell of their s'mores and their leftover marshmallows attract a bear who eats the marshmallows and then sees the the hitch knob and thinks that it too is a marshmallow. And then the travel trailer from the vehicle separates the travel trailer goes <laughs> bumping down a hill and lands in like a riverbed and drifting down and gets caught on this big rock. And then the bear thinks that the trailer hitch is the marshmallow and pulls them back to safety. It's super cute. It's super funny. <laughs> I mean, it's Chris Van Dusen. How do you go wrong? And his illustrations are just so fun. If you look at that page where they're on the top of the waterfall and it's just the sheer drop below them, I mean, the sense of perspective that you get from that, it's a little bit like, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of heights, but I'm like a huge fan of heights. And I was like, whoa, this is a, I mean, it is a really good job of creating that perspective of, whoa, that's a fall right there. The other one that I really loved is pretty new and it is Let's Do Everything and Nothing by Julia Kuo. What's so cool about it is it's not necessarily a summer book, but it is true summer vibes, right? A parent and a child do nothing. They're all so simple. They're all so unplugged. It's let's climb a hill. Let's watch the stars. Let's just be together. And it just has all of the summer, like the slow vibes, the we don't have to work. Let's spend quality time together, parent and child. Mm -hmm. It's so sweet and simple and beautiful. The illustrations are also really just gorgeous. Great color saturation. I love that book. I like The Relatives Came by Cynthia Ryland. That's a really sweet story, but I just reread it for this conversation. And I am not a fan of those illustrations. <laughs> I am like, those are some really awkward looking relatives. <laughs> There's like, a, I think an uncle or a grandfather whose belly is almost always showing and it almost feels a little insulting to her family. I'm sure that wasn't like her intention when she illustrated it that way, but it's such a fun story of the family traveling to visit them for the summer and help them with projects around the house and everybody sleeping in the same rooms together together and having all this quality time, but those are not my favorite illustrations, <laughs> not by a stretch. Nope. I'm going to throw in one last picture book to bring us full circle because I talked at the beginning about fishing. And one of my favorite classic books is by Mercer Mayer, just me and my dad. And they go camping together and they catch a fish and they tell the ghost story and they just spend that quality time together. And I love those books as a kid. And I still have the collection mm -hmm. that I used to take with me when I'd go babysitting because the kids loved Little Critter. That book was just so sweet. And I love the relationship between Little Critter and his dad. All right, so how about a outdoor adventure or summer book speed round, everyone? I'll start off. I've got a YA graphic novel, This One Summer by Mariko Tamaki. Love and Gelato by Jenna Evans Welch. It's a YA romance, and it's actually on Netflix. Ooh. Ooh. Percy Jackson and the Olympian series by Rick Riordan. Of course. Middle grade fantasy. There's a really cool YA anthology called Blackout, and it is by a whole bunch of really awesome authors like Danielle Clayton, Nicola Yoon, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, and they're intersecting stories that take place in New York City during a blackout. Ooh. I have Home in the Woods by Eliza Wheeler. It's a picture book with historical fiction twist. Lunch Lady and the Summer Camp Shakedown by Jarrett Krozoshka. Summer of the Monkeys, Wilson Rawls, middle grade historical fiction. Love that book. 
I have here The Summer I Turned Pretty by uh, Jenny Han, YA Romance, which is also on Amazon Prime. I say, yes, it is. It's just come out. I Survived the California Wildfires 2018 by Lauren Tarshis, one of her series, I Survive. We've got Holes, Lewis Sacker, uh, Middle Grade. That's a super classic. Talk about bad boys. Mm-hmm. The Camping Trip, a picture book by Jennifer K. Mann. Hatchet, Gary Paulson, Survival. Sunny Side Up, Jennifer L. Holm. That's a middle grade graphic novel. I'll add a little bit of horror here. The Woods Are Always Watching, a YA by Stephanie Perkins. I'll take you really light and fluffy. Judy Moody and the Not Bummer Summer by Megan McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) Camp by Kayla Miller, which is a middle grade graphic novel. Again, hitting on the going to summer camp vibe. There's a sweet picture book by Vera Williams called Three Days on a River in a Red Canoe. Oh, that's a great title. Very sweet. My final one is, of course, The Penderwicks, a summer tale of four sisters, two rabbits, and a very interesting boy by Jean Birdsall. Well done, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We hope this episode reminds you of some fun summertime adventures and just how glorious the outdoors can be in person and on the page. Now we're going to hear from you, our readers and listeners. This is a fun segment where you tell us some of your favorite books. This is Reader's Rave. Hi, my name is Dakota. My favorite book is Hold. It sounds like a true story. Do you want to be a part of Reader's Rave? Call us at 928-777-1490 and leave a message with your first name, your age, a book you love, and what you love about it. We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you for joining us today on Librarians Telling Tales. For a full list of the books shared in this episode, check the link in our podcast bio. Don't forget to subscribe to catch our next episode where we talk about interesting, informative, and wildly engaging nonfiction books that will have kids clamoring to learn more. This podcast is supported by the Arizona State Library, Archives, and Public Records, a division of the Secretary of State, with federal funds from the Institute of Museum and Library Services. We would also like to thank the City of Prescott, friends of the Prescott Public Library, and all our fabulous co-workers at Prescott Public Library. Be sure to like and subscribe to Librarians Telling Tales. And until next time, we'll see you in the library.